Yo, welcome back to another episode of Podcast Room by Software Engineer. We're actually quite fortunate today. It's going to be room by a couple of engineers because I'm joined with Andy and Stan. Stan, how are you doing? What's up? And Andy, how's you? <laughs> What's good? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, thanks for, thanks for being on the show because, um, you know, we're going to try a different format and today we actually have quite an interesting topic. We're going to be talking about side projects. Uh, it could be any kind of side projects, but I think it's quite interesting because uh, we're all engineers and I think between us, we've probably got over maybe like a decade of years of experience of just working in different companies, startups, all that kind of fun techie stuff. So really interested to see what your point of view on is, you know, what is a side project, what it usually entails, how do you start one, and uh, we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, let's have a quick intro kind of thing. Like, yo, Andy, where are you from, who you are kind of thing, just give us a five-word description. Yeah, I'm from uh, San Francisco. I've been a professional software engineer for about two and a half years now. And Stan? Uh... I'm from San Diego. I came up into the Bay Area for college at Berkeley. And uh, yeah, I've been working for around, I think, five, five years now. Yeah. Jeez. Well, I mean, like, it still feels like yesterday. I completely remember, like, the first day I started, like, doing tech or whatever. I've been, you know, jumping around. I think uh, so far, so good, I could say. Mm-hmm. As in, like, there wasn't any crazy stuff. But... Um, so yeah, that's like the general nine to five kind of thing, right? Like when you have a, you know, a consistent full-time tech job, tech job, sorry, as a software engineer, that's like your main focus, but then there's nothing stopping you on your free time to do like, you know, a little bit of a uh, side action, right? A little bit of side projects going on. So, <laughs> so that's what we're going to dive into today. So I think basically for, for people that are not super familiar with what is a side project, what, I guess like, what would be your definition of it? Probably a project you work on the side, but no, it's it's like uh, kind of like a hobbyist thing that you work like outside of your working hours. Like you're either not getting paid for it or you're trying to make some small money on the side. Yeah, I kind of kind of group everything outside of my traditional work at my like salary job into side projects. But there there is kind of like a gray area because oftentimes a lot of the side projects ideas that I have are kind of inspired or. They're kind of based off of stuff that I see at work. And I'm like, maybe I should dive into that area a little bit more. And then I find something that's a, there. That's a really good point you just mentioned. Because like when you're saying that, like when you're working on your real job, whatever, that's like experience and expertise that you get like over time. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing stopping you from taking that expertise and like, dude, I could, I could play around with it on my own time. But that also brings up like why there's kind of like non-competes kind of thing going on. Because like, what do you think all this... All this knowledge of where you're working at, then like you spin it off of something. There's always this kind of stuff, but those are unenforceable in California. Is that, is that true? I actually had no idea about that. Yeah. Dude, give me a second. I'm gonna write it down. <laughs> but that's actually a good point because um, I think from my point of view, actually, what is a side project? If I if I look at this from way back, even before I had my first job, it was something that is just you work on it while your main objective in your current state of life is happening so like when i was in uni for example my main objective was you know getting that degree setting all that but there was nothing stopping me from doing a side project so my side projects were building uh random profile websites for my cv kind of thing so i built my first cv on this app uh this framework called meteor.js and like that was not required with any of it i'm pretty sure you you're like nodding against it but <laughs> i hate that framework <laughs> so, it's terrible so this guy did it <laughs> And um, there was nothing like in my course load that, you know, requires me to do it. But like from that, you managed to like learn stuff on your own and like 
I use that to submit my jobs, and that's how I got a couple of jobs at the end. So that's kind of my definition of what's a side project. It's basically, it doesn't have to be compared to your full-time job. It's just basically compared to like your first focus in life at the moment, whatever focus it, uh, it is, sorry. But, um, but also like, there's so much to, to think about even before like starting a side project or even like finding an, an idea to begin with. So I think just to get some a bit of inspirations going on, um, what, was, what was your first side project then? I think the first one that I worked on was uh, was like a poker hand calculator. Cause I was, I was like trying to make money. This was like back before I actually had like a formal software engineering job because I actually studied mechanical engineering. I was just trying to build up like my portfolio. I was like, well, I'm going to try to build something that looks somewhat impressive, and you know maybe I can make some money off of it. And so I built this thing, and I like took pieces and pieces of code from like all over the place and just like scrapped together this thing and then I it, it kind of worked out but it, it didn't actually I, I wanted to expand it so I could actually like create an API around it and then like build like a bot that like could play poker hands but it never really got to that point but that's actually really interesting because when you're mentioning like yeah, your main focus at that time was a mechanical engineering degree mm -hmm. how much of that helped you in terms of like being able to build and code something? Because I guess the main focus of the mechanical engineering was not actually coding, was probably something else. So how did you manage to do it on your own and learn how to code and do all that kind of stuff? Yeah, a lot of my mechanical engineering education, like coding was kind of tangential. It was kind of like a means to an end. If you've ever like done like Arduino coding, it's like very, it's, it's not like, you know, enterprise software. It's like a big while loop and then you just throw a bunch of logic in there and it just constantly checks it. <laughs> so. It is coding, but it's it's very different from like, um, like application wise, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's very yeah. different than actually building something that spits out results or mm -hmm. you know. Do you remember what was that? What was that stack that you uh, used when you started do that the project? Oh, I think I, I I primarily used Python. There was like a pretty quick like Python like hand calculator and. I think there were also parts of like a C library that I like patched in. It was like, again, this was like a very piecemeal thing. Yeah, yeah. If I look at the code, it looks terrible. It looks like a kid put it together because I was just like struggling to get the result and I just wanted to make money off of playing poker. But it was only really good at evaluating like initial poker hands. <laughs> Obviously, it doesn't take into account any of like the human aspects of that game. So it was like, it didn't really work out. No, but I mean, <laughs> if it doesn't look scrappy, it's not a side project. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, not going to say it's true for 100% of the cases, but I do see so many like examples of side projects where it's like, yeah, piecing it together, finding packages mm -hmm. that are probably have like two stars on GitHub. That's <laughs> been yeah. retained in like four years. Yeah, this project might have two stars on GitHub before I like made it private. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. That's a little interesting. But yeah, how about you, Andy? What was your first side project? I think the first side project I had was like really a long time ago. It's like I think it was back in, back when I was in high school. I made like a um, GUI for this script on iOS that would pirate um, <laughs> iOS apps. Like it would remove the DRM so that it can be installed on basically any device. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, can you can you just tell me what's DRM because I'm not familiar with it. So yeah, it's DRM stands for I think it's like Digital Rights Management. It's basically um, almost like malware that's put on. <laughs> normal applications to prevent it from being run on, uh, I guess, like computers that it's not approved for. So like if you buy this piece of software, you can only run on your computer. But then if you try to run it on another computer, it'll check and it'll actually stop it because um, 
that computer like didn't pay for it. Oh, that, okay, that totally makes sense because like a lot of days, I think the biggest news out now uh, lately, sorry, it's like all the jailbreak stuff going on with like iOS 13, iOS 13.5 and everything and like there's just such a big community going on with that. So it's really interesting how you mentioned that this was a trend even from like back then. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, so how long or like how long did it take you to like, you know, deciding to get into it to, to build something? And I'm guessing your main focus in high school was studying at that time. So what was the drive behind doing that side project? I mean, I don't know, like programming just seems super interesting. I mean, high school to me was incredibly boring. If anything, the side project was my main focus at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because high school wasn't paying you to do anything. Exactly, so. yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point, actually, because I don't even remember much from high school if you guys actually had loads of like computer classes and quotation marks happening. I remember we did a really quick like HTML kind of thing where you write your own .html file and you would do like very simple stuff and you drag it onto the browser and then it's going to display it there. So that was the extent of high school coding. So did you guys have any like similar experience where they really tried to, you know, expose you guys to tech? I was supposed to take an APCS class, but it got canceled because like not enough people signed up for it. <laughs> so that was no, basically it. I didn't take any CS classes in, uh, in high school. Yeah, what's APs? Like, I'm going to be asking a lot of like, what is this? Because I, yeah. I didn't grow up in the Americas, so I have no <laughs> idea what, what those stand for. They're like advanced placement classes, so they're supposed to give you like college credit if you like pass a bunch of tests. Oh, that's annoying that yeah. not enough people sign up for those then. Like, but then again, I remember back then we weren't, like I personally, personally wasn't like so grateful with all the stuff that was happening kind of thing. I didn't really know how to like reach out and be like, oh, this is really interesting. I feel like a lot of us would agree that if we go back to high school, we'd enjoy it a lot more. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> just like, just because you kind of know what you want Yeah, because I'd be smarter than all with these With all the stuff I know now. <laughs> yeah, you'd <laughs> just be styling on those kids. Yeah, everybody's like 13-year-old. You're just like... So much there. confidence. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. That's a dream. I don't even need to go all the way back to high school. College is fine. I'd do super well in college oh, if yeah. I went back. <laughs> Nah, screw, screw college. I can't, I can't do it again, but I'm not going to think about that. Too many, too much nightmares from, uh, from back then. But um, yeah, because I feel like when we were talking about all the examples that we just brought up, we all had like different, I guess, purposes to why we started those projects kind of thing. Like some of us is, you know, really interested in a specific topic or for me, it's just like, uh, you know, why not? Um, but yeah, I guess like in general perspective then, what what is like a goal of a side project? Now that we know what it kind of looks like, what what's the purpose of doing it, I guess. I think one of the, when I was starting out in my career, the main purposes of my side projects was to kind of just like gain experience in like various technologies, like frameworks. Uh, nowadays, um, I'm like less interested in the technologies, but I, I am still interested in, in them. But I think I'm like more interested in like kind of exploring ideas that might actually like produce something at the end of the day, like actually make money somehow. Uh. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair point, actually, because um, I mean, the money wise, that's a very fair point. You have these people like making the thing is they don't count it by hour. That's the one thing that you can differentiate when it's, if you have a successful side project, they count it like over the span of 10 years, like, OK, the first nine years not going to be making anything. But in 10 years, you have a valuation of like 500 million. It's like, OK, take that 500 million divided by 10 and then you have 50 million years. So like that's one way of looking at it. Um, but the other thing that was uh, that was mentioned was that like the the technology itself is not a limitation for you nowadays in terms of if you want to start a new side project if you know what I mean as in back then it's like you didn't have that many tools but nowadays when you're saying you like the idea of starting something it's because you know there's more more open-mindedness to what you can create yeah I, I would say like 
I have a lot more tools in my pocket nowadays. Like I don't need to struggle through like language basics. Like even if I'm working with a new language, uh, it's still a lot of languages have similarities, and it's kind of easy to transfer the like language concepts from one language to another. Um, yeah, but I still take those opportunities to use like new languages, like you know, like Go and Rust. Like those are like the new kids on the block and. Sometimes you just want to try out something new, learn something new, and you can kind of tie that into something. But again, that that almost seems like secondary to like, yeah. well, I want to build something cool now, as opposed to before it was just like, well, the cool thing is the objective. Yeah. Like, like I just want to work with this technology. I don't really care what I build with it. That kind of like that kind of makes a print on me because it was basically like the same thing back then. It's just a shift of priority. We still learn new stuff, new technologies every day nowadays anyways. But like, as you were saying, like the main focus is that now that you have the set of basic skills, you know, the world's are oyster and you could build whatever you want. But I guess what was mainly, mainly the focus for you when you were doing side projects back then, Andy? I mean, it's pretty similar to Stan. Like my focus is still to either um, kind of uh, work on like the skills that I, don't, that I don't get to develop like on my current job. So like front end stuff, for example, and to just build cool stuff. So I have a much more, I guess, junior look on it than you guys. Well, I mean... <laughs> well, you still want to make money. Yeah. <laughs> it's all relative at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah, I think, like, the goal, goal-wise is very interesting because, like, um, for, for people that are still studying and, like, their main focus is that, like, I remember when I was studying, the main goal was that, like, I want to be coming out of there with a job or something. So, like, a lot of that when I was, my first side project of building, like, a profile, like, an online CV instead of having, like, a... PDF or like a word sheet to show people. That was kind of like my main focus. Thank God that worked out. <laughs> but um, but yeah, on the side is that like there's life is full of like jackpot moments. Life is full of like you know opportunities that like if that turns out to be a really good idea and like the side effect is that like you make money out of it. Cool, you know. Like the side effects are always inherent to whenever you start a side project because you never really know what's gonna happen and. I mean, if you talk about a lot of the successful side projects and a lot of the unsuccessful one, they could probably agree with that statement at the end of the day. So, I think but, like one of like one of the hardest things about side projects is like kind of keeping that like longer term goal in your mind because I think a lot of us have probably experienced this. Like you kind of start something, you think it's so cool, and then eventually it kind of fizzles out because you don't see any results from it. So people that can actually keep like that that long term vision. I think are like the people that are actually successful with with side projects yeah like definitely we'll we'll have to talk about like motivation like how to keep yourself like motivated to do all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. then you have these people who just randomly like ran like did something next thing it's worth like three trillion dollars and like they hit the jackpot so i don't want to just like you know say that doesn't happen but i know like the most yeah. consistent cases like the people who are consistent hardworking, motivating ends up with like better results at the end of the day but yeah. I think like one one of the base things that like you'll never know until you actually start a side project. Like if you've never done one, I suggest you know it's not hard. Anything could be considered a side project. I think as we were describing, the simplest thing could be that. But um, I think a lot of people that struggle a bit in terms of like as we we're saying motivation and all that kind of stuff is how much time should you spend on a side project in terms of like when we're talking about the the whole point of side projects is it's not your main focus, right? Like you spend most of your major time of the week doing your main job or whatever it is. Um, so now the, the, the cool topic to talk about is that like back then when you were looking back, how much time did you spend on it when you're working on your you know, tiny, little, tiny little side project? I mean, a lot of time, but then like I think right now the cool part about a side project is that you can, you can get to spend as much time as you want on it. So like if you want to kind of just abandon it, you can. If you want to pour every single hour of the day into it, you can. 
Yeah, that's a bit. I guess that's very fair. Because you can, like forget about sleeping and just do a side project if you want. <laughs> if it's that cool. <laughs> it really is. And what about you, Stan? I think the bounds that I generally try to set for myself is I don't want it to interfere with what I consider like a good job being done at my primary job. Like if it if it starts interfering with that, I have to reconsider how much time I, I'm spending on it. And this has happened before for me. Because um, <laughs> it was so I had so to interesting. Like, yeah, because I was just like really into it and I had to pull back. Um, I think, uh, but it, it, it really varies. Like a lot of my side projects were actually like hackathon projects. I went to a hackathon with like oh, yeah, yeah, my yeah. like uh, my friend and we, we do the hackathon and then sometimes we just leave it at that 24 hours and then sometimes we would like try to add a little bit uh, on top of it and that took up some amount of time but usually that fizzled out pretty quickly. It's kind of, again, like the hardest part about a side project for me is like actually like sticking to it and like continuing to add. Well, that's the thing, because it's really a balance of like the the immediate results or like the immediate satisfaction. Mm -hmm. But then again, like a lot of times it's not going to happen or it depends on just what your goal you set was at the time you were you know, working on that project. But I'm actually really stoked that you brought up like hackathons because I think the whole concept behind them is that they're, they were never enforced in terms of like your curriculum when you were doing university or whatever. And, you know, it's if you wanted to do it. I'm a terrible person. I haven't been to many hackathons when I had the opportunity to. And uh, nowadays I still don't do it, which I'm so bad at. But um, I guess like when you were doing them, did you know, or like when you were working with other people in it, did you did you notice a lot of people keeping up with the project after then? So like when you were saying 24 hours, boom, then do you know like a couple of people who did anything after? Or? I, I think from what I've seen, it's quite rare. Um, but that's just from my personal experience. I haven't like interacted with that many people from hackathons. I don't really meet up with new people at hackathons because the few times that I did, oftentimes those people were terrible. <laughs> like they were not very good engineers. So now I go with like one person that I trust that I know will be productive and that we can output something uh, by the end of the 24 hours. Well, that's so like, it's not a waste of my time or like other people's time. I mean, you wouldn't have known that if you've never done those hackathons to begin with. You, yeah. you would have never known yeah. that your team could be There's a lot of bad team. engineers out there. <laughs> <laughs> people who like to talk a lot and can't code yeah. anything. <laughs> It's like it's so annoying because you, you can always say this not just for hackathons as well. It's so annoying when you think about uni. Like I might not be one of those bad apples sometimes, but it's always like it's a, it's a concept that <laughs> you can like kind of kind of relate to it. But I think like when we're talking about like what was the goal of a side project, the goal of these hackathons is definitely like you get exposed to so many different stack, so many different people, I guess, but also so many different ways of tackling a problem that you could come out either being very satisfied and very happy with the project or not. Or you could be completely pissed off that like you wasted twenty four hour, but well, at the sorry what, at the end of the day is that like you still like you still gain something out of that. So well, sorry, well the main objective for my friend and me were to just make quick money <laughs> because like we found a pretty good formula there. He's like an ML person, right. and then we would just like frame like these problems in like with like an ML solution, and then it was usually like a pretty easy win at the hackathon. We would like win like a couple thousand every single time we went. <laughs> Dude, yeah, was that was that straight up cash? I think about like proper like. Well, you get taxed sponsors. on it, but like it's like like we won five thousand one time, we won like two thousand the other time. Another time it was like another like twenty five hundred or something. Like it was just like little quick 
I think monies. I think there's a great incentive because I mean, like at the end of the day, is that like you derive so much innovation at a cost, right? Like the cost for whoever's running it, whoever is like participating it. There's a cost to it, but then again, well, like the people attending, I'm pretty sure it was free for uni students, so that that was pretty cool. Um, but like the cost of these organizers, that like, oh yeah, we'll have prize pools, we'll have all that kind of stuff, but you could get so much out of it. It's a good investment that if they end up spotting good people out of it then like years down the line, they'll be working for whatever company they're interested in or who actually sponsored that event. And it's like, they'll, they'll make so much more return off of it. So mm-hmm. I, sometimes you're, you could say that, you know, it's a win-win situation. Sometimes it could just be like, everybody benefits off that at the end of the day. So man, this, this, this has gotten really like optimistic. I don't know what it is. This <laughs> whole talking about Cyberdog has been, been really positive. So I think like, um, well, I mean, from my point of view of like how much time you should be spending on a side project was that, Back then, um, I was in uni, and I was—I guess I was quite full on on my courses every semester. So I would always have like at least like four or five. So uh, when you get the burnout of going to a class and coming out of it, it's like oh, I don't want to work on a side project kind of thing. But I think it was honestly on on you to do it, which is kind of weird to say because like I used to have a gaming computer, which I don't nowadays, and it was so easy to just like run up a game and like play that. But then at the same time, like, you got to have the motivation to be like, okay, this is going to pay out in the long run. Like, working on a decent-looking CV is going to pay out. Like, no matter where you are, who you are, that's one thing I'll, I'll totally suggest. Just build something with a CV. That's going to be pretty. But in terms of numbers, in a week, I honestly didn't spend more than, like, an hour a week on it. So I think, like, you'd be surprised how little time you could spend on a side project, but also, like, having so much, you know, return or outcome to it. So... Is that, do you get, do you agree with that or? No, for sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Any time is time well spent. Yeah. I think uh, even if you do spend like an hour a week or like a couple hours, like on the weekend, again, consistency is key. Like that's what really builds like a cool side project. Like again, like these hackathons, they were nice, but the main objective for my friend and me was just to make some quick cash. Like we, we didn't really have like the objective of like continuing a lot of these projects because they would take so much more time and consistency that we didn't really want to put forward yeah, I mean, in terms of effort. At that time, probably, yeah you, yeah. you might be able to say that. Yeah. But I think, like, over time, like, you probably gained so much out of it, like, un- unintentionally as well. Like, yeah, there's a monetary value, of course, but, like, unintentionally, like, you just, what, you you, had, you know somebody who you, who you could rely on, and but also, like, they're relying on you at the end of the day just because, like, you guys know, like, a lot of weird shit anyway so <laughs> that's that's pretty cool but yeah we could definitely talk about like the life cycle of a side project because um there's so many approach to it if you know what i mean like some people could easily just dive in somebody could just be like oh i got this idea in my head and next 30 seconds within 30 seconds they're on it and they're building it but some other people like specking out stuff some people like oh i just want to do a bit of like research before market research i want to spend some time doing some designs kind of thing so i guess we could just start from the beginning kind of thing um i guess what what would be your breakdown of a uh, life cycle of a side project, just an overview? Mm, it, it kind of varies from project to project. Like I said, a lot of the times I see something at work and that might inspire me to like look into that technology a little bit more. I think like one example was back when we were like looking into Vault. I was like, well, Vault seems like a pretty cool service but also seems like you kind of have to do a lot of stuff like to set it up. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's like a, maybe there, if you could create like some kind of like vault as a service type type thing. Uh, and I started looking and that kind of sent me down like a tra- train of thought around like just encryption in general. And I was just looking into like a lot of encryption concepts and kind of learning about that. 
Um, uh, I think in, and then eventually I was like, like the pro the side project that I ended up with was like, what if you had like a, like an encrypted DB that just like constantly rotated keys in like a probabilistic manner, right? Key rotations, like uh, when encrypting stuff can be like very expensive, but what if you just like, if this, key, if this row was like encrypted with a certain key and it had a certain percentage to be like re, to change that key every, every few seconds, like what if you built like a database that kind of had like this concept? Um, and eventually like I kind of looked into it and it didn't seem like it really had much of a product market <laughs> fit, but like it, it did teach me a lot, and I think like. Um, oh, you crazy yeah. bug! You should have totally done it. <laughs> you would be sitting here with me nowadays if if that actually happened. Yeah, like um, I think again, most of most of the ideas that I have like for side projects oftentimes come from work. Sometimes it's also from just random blog posts. Like I was reading about oh, like yeah. deep fakes, <laughs> like a, and deep fakes can be used in like a lot of you know malicious a malicious manner. But I was also thinking like, what about the future of advertising? Like, and just like reading this article made me think about this. I was like, in the future, like people have, people already have such targeted advertising. Like they know your age, they know like your ethnicity, probably they know where you live. They know like, it's so they crazy. know like your, what you've bought on Amazon. Like they all share this information together. And how could you make an ad even more targeted? Like if you had all this information, like oftentimes people are biased to buy things from like people that look like themselves. So what if you could like generate images of people using products that like look like you. And I feel like that might actually be like the next step in terms of ad tech. And that kind of just like stemmed from, you know, reading like a random article about like GANs yeah. and like adverse and like deep fakes. That just, that just like snowballed real quickly. There for a second. <laughs> <laughs> we just went to talking about blog oh, That's a brilliant about. idea. I'm about to write that down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're all just like yeah. writing down so much stuff right now. Dude, man, I think your life cycle of projects are so amazing. You just start with like nothing and next thing you know, it's like so much expansive thoughts about it but i guess like yeah what is your idea of breaking it down andy if uh you know you have a project to, to tackle i mean mine is a little bit simpler i guess um i usually just like try to see what like problems i have in my day-to-day -day life like I'll, I'll probably use some app or something and it's missing something so i'll just start out by cloning it and then kind of slapping that feature on and i'll you know choose whatever tech stack is cool or fun to play with oh yeah okay we could definitely dive into that like in terms of like, oh, what, what we consider cool and what we consider useful or easy to use. Because like as an engineer, it's like, I think in, in today's era, we're quite fortunate to have like a lot of tools out there. So, and the whole point is that there's engineers trying to make other engineers' lives better, which is where this whole like building tools for other people, that is, uh, you know, so that they could develop faster, they could develop more happy, and we don't like break our screens every two seconds. Like just punch right through it. I don't know if you guys ever seen it in person. I haven't. Um, <laughs> let's hope we don't see it in person. <laughs> But um, yeah, just to recap on the big, quick like life cycle of a project, you can see that a lot of the emphasis like right at the beginning, the idea is like very key, just because it's key, just because you want to, I guess, market fit to it. You want to see people being interested in that, but also you want to be interested in the actual idea to begin with. So um, breaking down the life cycle, the beginning phase, the idea is super, super important. I think the other thing that um, I like looking at the second phase or like the phase a little bit after the idea is like the process of actually building the product out. Because the thing is like, you're not going to get any response or any feedback until you actually have a product to show somebody. So with all these ideas and everything, boom, next step, get it rolling, write some code, or you don't even have to write code sometimes nowadays. You could even just mm -hmm. like generate a lot of this stuff. 
And then just to wrap up is that, uh, sorry, the, the life cycle I was talking about wrapping up is that after that you've built something, the third phase would kind of be like, you could either keep on working it or you could start marketing it or you could do like all of it at the same time in parallel. So that kind of gives you an indicator of how successful your, I guess, project is. And then uh, you could make decisions in terms of, do you want to continue it or do you want to drop it or do you want to delegate it to somebody else? And I think the, the example we brought for was at, the, at a hackathon kind of thing. You start building your idea, you, you build it, and then there's like the confirmation phase where it's like, is it a good idea, is it a bad idea? And then mm -hmm. that's where you see the split in terms of these people dropped it, maybe one or two picked it up, and then like other are just like recycled maybe down the line. So mm -hmm. I think that's a very general consensus of what a life cycle of a side project is. Because by the time, if it completes this whole cycle of uh, you know being successful at the end of the pipeline, it, can become your main project and then it would be considered a side project anymore, which is uh, a different life cycle, I guess. So <laughs> that's, yeah. that's kind of how I would see it. But um, it was kind of quite good, like quite interesting that we put a lot of emphasis into like starting a side project. So, I mean, we could definitely go with a point where um, like kind of going off of what you guys were saying, um, the idea bit could come from many different sources, right? So back in high school, it was kind of maybe apps that you were using kind of stuff like that. Uh, for you a lot, Stan, is uh, work is quite a big influence. So being able to work in different industry might actually open your vault of ideas into mm -hmm. such a big world because every industry has something different kind of thing. But aside from those kind of examples, do you have like more examples of where like ideas come from or, and you mentioned like blog posts and everything, so. I'm trying to think of uh, an idea. I don't know, like sometimes I get ideas from my friends too. Like um, I have this uh, pretty ambitious side project to kind of build like a clone of Facebook. Obviously didn't play out that well because it's kind of sophisticated. But uh, <laughs> my friends were tired of uh, Zuckerberg spying on their data. So um, mm -hmm. they had this brilliant idea to come up with something similar to Facebook. But um, yeah, I mean, the real benefit of Facebook is just that everyone else is on it. So yeah, the network effect yeah. <laughs> makes those types of uh, products quite difficult to usurp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, like, as as much as you beat up yourself about it, like, there's nothing stopping you from like trying it anyways. Because things like you know, all the all these people nowadays saying that Facebook is dying and Facebook is not as influential kind of thing, like, it it is bound to happen, right? They're not gonna have the monopoly forever. People bring up the example of MySpace. It's like, like oh, MySpace been there for ages, but then like the guy that made Facebook, like, just kind of toppled it. So. It was kind of funny also when you mentioned like your friends were asking you to do that because when they when they find out that you could like code a bit kind of they they'll they'll pitch your idea to you i wholeheartedly encourage it man if you know somebody who can build stuff like throw so much idea at them and like you know i don't know if i would encourage it <laughs> you know those 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 people that they meme like the business people they're like i got an idea oh yeah i'll give you 50 percent if you build it Hell no, do you get out of my face? Give me 90%. Yeah, why don't I just take this idea and go build it myself? Like, <laughs> well, you didn't yeah. know of the idea until they brought it to well, you, though. That's the whole point. Well, That's a... well, you brought it to me, and now I know it. <laughs> I could have thought of it at the exact same time you told me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right, guys, do whatever you have. If you, if you know an engineer, like, tell them, don't tell them. It's up to you. It's a 50-50 anyways. Yeah. If you're an engineer and you can help me build it, I'd be more willing to listen to, that, <laughs> to the idea. But I'm more skeptical on the pure business people. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the engineers who can't help you build it. So those, are, those people don't oh, talk yeah, to Oh, yeah, the people that are at the hackathons. Yeah, I <laughs> Oh, man, that's quite jokes. 
Um, but yeah, I think we, we kind of wrapped up in terms of like where ideas come from for side projects. A lot of a lot of my personal like side projects, the idea comes from like just a random interest that I got, and I'm like, why don't we just automate it? A lot of a lot of times the question would be like, why don't we just make this simpler? Why don't we just make this more efficient? Um, I think like the, the stuff I talk about quite often is like investing or like taking your money to do something. You don't always build side projects off of it, but the thing is like, is it drive? Because it gives you like a concrete goal, right? Like if your goal is like, whatever, make more money, or you just want to be right. You don't even have to invest your actual money. You just want to be right that the next prediction that you do in the next five days is good. Then like, that's the drive that you got. So this idea comes from stuff that you already do every day. So like if you, for example, you're, you're somebody who just has a bit of saving and you invest every day, you do that no matter what, whether you have a side project or not. But if you want to get an idea from something that you're doing all the time, then just build something off of it. Look at what you're doing. Uh, especially like, I like the people who, um, they do like, they cook every day or they do something and they get better over time kind of thing. And then like their side projects could be spinning off of that. If somebody bakes a cake like very often, their side project is really just like make it, make it sociable as in like make it a, a thing that everybody could could look at and share and do all that kind of stuff that's considered a side project you don't need to know how to code to do that kind of stuff because a lot of tools are available to do it nowadays so i guess that kind of ties into to what a side project is it doesn't have to be completely technical but uh, the idea comes from something that you consistently do nowadays um the other bland example that i get a lot is that uh, you know how you drink water every day and then yeah. like, <laughs> and then people okay. are like, why don't we sometimes? <laughs> yeah. sure, there are days we? I skip, you know. <laughs> and then, and then like from from that, you have people who like want to start water company, like drink water drinking companies. I think that's a very logical thing to do. But if you enjoy it, if you if you see the 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 appeal of like drinking good water, then like yeah, take that as a side project. Do your own thing. Find your way to distill it or whatever. You're gonna learn so much out of it. It might not work, but that's like a logical thing to do if you wanna. I liked one of the ideas that you said that sometimes uh, money can actually like the amount of money that you're making from something can be like a kind of like a standard metric that you use to compare it to something like your job to see like how successful it is like and if ever you like your side project income like exceeds like your your standard jobs maybe that's that's the time when you like actually want to switch over or something um, oftentimes there can be things that are like difficult to measure like Let's say you're like building like the next new Facebook, but you're not monetizing any of it. How do you actually track the success? Um, some people use like metrics of like, oh, how many users you have, user engagement. Sometimes those things can be more difficult to measure than, you know, just saying like, oh, I made this much money. So sometimes like falling back onto like using money as a comparator between oh, which projects are successful can can yeah. be like an interesting perspective. Yeah, well, you're, you're kind of describing the the level of difficulty of like you know quantifying your ROI basically. Like you're you're kind of mm -hmm. saying that if there's a direct easy way of seeing the return of investment, then it's really easy to justify. But then like as the cases of this amount of users, then what does that even mean in terms of return? Of investment yeah, like are the users money? actually doing stuff? Like what do they? What's the value to the user? It can be hard to actually like quantify that. You can. Like there are ways to quantify certain dimensions, but money is like so universal. There's a reason why <laughs> currency exists. It's because people don't want to barter. They don't want. They don't know how to compare apples to oranges. They Yo, they say like here's the universal standard. <laughs> yeah. Here's a currency, and everyone you know, everyone has a value at this currency. 
with this currency, and yeah. then you can start trading based off of that. We, we should base everything off of Big Macs, man. Which is like, <laughs> that's a crazy yeah. dude. Yo, your car, yeah. man, I'll give you Yeah, like that a... could be the next, crypt, next crypto coin, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be a stable coin, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Big Mac coin. <laughs> stable coin. It'll be hella stable. That's what I can say. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I think this is such a good segue because we were just saying, like, all these, all these idea, whatever, like when you're talking about like our eyes and all that. But the thing is like, before even in this life cycle of before even coding your project or even starting your project kind of thing, like how much research do you want to get into it? So you have to put a little bit of thought or I mean, okay, that's not true. You could totally go into it without any thought of it kind of thing. But <laughs> I think it's just picking your guys' brain kind of thing. Andy, like how much research do you think should be done before a, a project? Or, you know, you could say zero if you want. Um, I think minimal like the like the, like the uh less research you do kind of better because you can always go back and change things like this project isn't like a work project where it has to go out by this time it's like all free form so you can probably go one way and then realize that oh shit this isn't gonna work and you can easily go back and redo it it's not a big deal mm -hmm. okay so yeah it's, so saying iteration is like super yeah. good right just because uh you're in the phase where it's really easy to iterate mm -hmm. as opposed to if you're down the line like it's a lot harder to be like Oh wait, we can't completely shift the idea just because we <laughs> committed so much into it. Do you know any kind of like tools that, uh, if ever you do want to spend the most minimal amount of time researching, what are like the main tools that you should just do a quick search or anything? Or, um, I mean, it depends on like what I'm trying to build. If uh, if I'm trying to build like a backend service, for example, I just search for most popular backend frameworks and languages. <laughs> That's so efficient. Go, and then pick one of the top three. <laughs> are you doing like technology research or like more product research? Because like product research is like, oh, does this actually make sense, this idea? And then like technology research is like, it, you know, will this technology make sense for this solution? I, I should have definitely formulated that question <laughs> that way, because I mean, that's a very good point. It was like, well, I guess what is research kind of thing? So from your point of view, is that like, do you need both? Do you need to do tech research and product research? Do you only need one or like neither or? I think, um, well, I'll just preface with like, it depends on how much commitment you actually want to make to the project. Again, if it's like a hackathon, you could probably, you know, just think up an idea in five minutes. Like you don't have to actually validate it in the market. You just have to, you're just kind of making a guess that it, it'll like make sense to the judges. Um, but if it's something that you actually want to like scale out and like actually build something, I, I think you actually should do like a good amount of product research if you're going to sink a lot of time into it. Right, you don't want to go down the wrong branch, and then you know end up like, oh man, this solution doesn't make any sense. No one's using it, and you spent uh, all this time like coding it up. Yeah, yeah. forget about sleep, man. You just because <laughs> like I agree with you because I like I've seen so many cases on well, like I've done it myself a lot where I would spend loads of time researching something, and be like, yo, this has to be a good idea, but there's all the numbers backing me up and all that. Do it, and then like either you lose interest or it just doesn't actually pan out the way you think it is. So. Um, I think it really, it, obviously, it's like case by case, right? Mm -hmm. uh, case by case, sorry. Just because um, you get either from previous experience, like, sway towards one way or the, or the other. So if you look back at, like, the, the few side projects you've done, and then you've done so many research for every single one of them, and, like, you just didn't enjoy it, and it didn't actually have the backing or the results that you want, then for the next project, you probably might be, just build it. <laughs> forget about researching, forget about thinking about the stuff, just build it, we'll see how it goes kind of thing. But then you have the person that did that three times in a row and it's like, I built three things in a row and like it never really works out, but then they do the opposite. There'll be the next one, I'll do a bit of research to that. So 
Yeah, that's a very like young engineer mindset to just build it and assume people will come. I think like a lot of us probably thought like this when we were like, oh man, I just learned how to code. I have all this power. You know, I'm just going to code this up and people will come. And then no one ever comes, yeah. <laughs> probably because you didn't do your product research. <laughs> I mean, that's true for like most cases, but there are the cases out there. I'll defend the people that have done that and then they've exploded into something great. So yeah. yeah, if we take the average, that's probably true for like. Yeah. Before okay. I used to underestimate like product managers, but now I appreciate their value because I spend all this time building something no one ever wants to use. Yeah. You know, it's, that's just as upsetting as like. That is true. True, actually, but even for like personal project do you think that that even just for fun then for the people that have the objective of not having like a monetary value do you think that much project management is required to to even start the project or yeah i definitely don't think that level is necessary i mean like the point the the view that i'm coming from is that um side projects are something that i don't really expect to make money off of i have like much more reasonable ambitions mm. so like in, in, in those cases where like i'm just doing it to either create like a product that I'll use personally or my friends will use or like to learn technologies. I don't think that much involvement is required on the I agree. side. Yeah. I'm guessing, yeah, I guess I was kind of taking it from the perspective of like oftentimes people, they're like working a normal nine to five and they actually want to be like, they have like kind of an entrepreneur mindset and they're yeah. like, one day I want to start a company or one day I want to do something myself. And oftentimes like a, usually most people don't actually quit their jobs and then just immediately bank on nothing um that's a, that's a very important point because when we're talking about like this transition of like when do you know you want to change your main project to like a side project kind of thing i've spoken to <coughs> sorry i've spoken to a lot of people that uh they're they're currently founders at different companies kind of thing and that was a very similar process where they've always had like a main job or like a main focus and then like on the on the parallel they're working something else and that kind of like grew and grew and grew and mm -hmm. took bigger so there was never a point where well for from my personal experience that the people i've spoken to is that a lot of them were doing this transition phase where you do both of it at the same time and then one of them kind of gets big but it's interesting that in this area in the the bay area silicon valley area you wouldn't be surprised to see somebody quit like a hard stop, right? They'll, they'll do a hard stop on their main job and then just like jump into the side project kind of thing. Do, have you guys known anybody who's done it or? Um, I, I've known people that have done it. Generally, they're in like situations where it is, it's not like they don't have, they don't have like families to support. So like they can take like larger risks. <laughs> Dad, uh, why are you doing this? <laughs> Where's yeah. the food? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, or they have like a lot of savings, like, so they can, they've decided, okay, here's like my runway. I'm going to give myself like a year to try and pursue this. And like, I, I believe you should take like calculated risks. I don't think like, if you don't have any savings and like, you're not a coder, like, and you don't have any like, uh, connections to like VCs, probably don't just quit up your job and like, say you're going to go start the next company, like Facebook. Like, it's, that's not really a calculated risk. I mean, yeah, I agree on that. But then uh, you don't you don't win big if you don't risk big. <laughs> well, again, like you can risk big, but it should be calculated. Like the person that doesn't have that's, I don't know. I also believe like people in more desperate situations often oftentimes like end up like in like these uh, creating like companies because like let's say like you lose your job. And then you're just like, oh man, I don't know what to do. Like, maybe I should just go start my own company. I think like desperate people can actually end up in like these pretty nice situations. Like, if you're working at Google, oftentimes like you have like these golden handcuffs. Like, you don't, 
you're like, oh, I have to give up so much to go pursue this other yeah, thing, dude. right? Which is why I think like oftentimes someone in that situation should like work on something in a side project. Like, don't just give up like this nice cushy job that you have. If it's cushy and you have like spare time, like you know, invest that time towards something that you may want in the future. But maybe you don't have to jump off immediately just to pursue it. Yeah, I I think that's a very good like overview of most cases just because like that's a reasonable thing to do calculate a risk dive into something that you're confident with but also like if it ever don't work out you have something to fall back to after mm -hmm. and uh what people do like doing those that they'll, they'll they'll pick out the maniacs and they'll pick out the ones that have like you know they're so driven in their head that they'll risk everything for it and where you got like you know uh some people like refer to that as, like these genius like steve jogs back then or whatever did he really risk that much when when he wanted to dive into all these projects kind of thing? Like, was he worried that he wasn't going to have food on his plate the next day if he started this whole company himself kind of thing? Or, I don't, I don't know. This is just a really speculative question because that just came across my mind. Are you mind talking about way. Next? Like, when he started Next? Yeah. Or whenever when, like, <laughs> Maybe him he was just spiteful. Him. That's my guess. Yeah. <laughs> outed from Apple. Yeah. And then he sold it back to them, you know? Yeah, see, so like, when you talk about these people in this, like, I don't know if it was desperate at that time or whatever, but it, like, you know, you have these people who make such impact over, like, decades just because they were put in that position to begin with, right? Yeah, but it's difficult to compare Steve Jobs at that point of his life to, like, you know, the average person because he already started Apple and yeah. Apple was already, like, a pretty big company when he was outed and then he went on and did something else. Yeah, uh, like fair. he already had clout and <laughs> it's not like a random person <laughs> the silicon valley clout man. yeah <laughs> that's actually that's actually got quite an interesting topic at the end I'll, so I'll, you calculated I'll... risk right <laughs> it's not the mcdonald's you know worker just quitting and saying <laughs> i'm gonna start a company though i wouldn't doubt like that person like again desperate people like they they can pull stuff out of their ass Sometimes, you know, <laughs> I, I never underestimate a desperate person. <laughs> You'd love to hear the jackpot stories, right? You'd love to hear that, whatever that <laughs> um, But yeah, actually, another question that I would have is that, like, a lot of these um, side projects that people either want to start or, like, they've started already, there, there's a point where you always have to ask, like, oh, do I want to do it solo or do I want to work with somebody else onto it? So I guess what, what, is, what would be some criteria that would say yes or no to that question? Probably like the scope of the project. I don't know. If it's like a fairly small one, I just want to learn technology. It's like definitely I don't need to bring another person on. But then even if it's like a more sizable one, probably not until I know that it's going to be a good project. Like I don't want to like con one of my friends into helping me out to build like a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> like but they could time. be a person that has the same goal as I oh, like. Yeah. I just want to learn something new as opposed to like that. So I guess, I guess there's a point for pros and cons in both cases, but I guess yeah that's a really good way of like thinking about should i ask somebody or not do you do you feel inclined that you're you're bothering somebody by asking them to, to work on a project with you or well i mean i'm not forcing them they can say no so if they say yes then i don't feel that bad about it they've made that decision themselves it's like you worked on this one? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. 90-10. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got the idea. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, though? Stan, how do you tackle this question of, oh, should I work on this project solo or with some or somebody or many people? It's tough to say. Uh, if you kind of look at it from like the, again, if you kind of look at it from like an entrepreneur's perspective, a lot of VCs, like they, they really like, you know, 
co-founder companies, right? Yeah. And the reason why they like it is because it's it's easier to commit to an idea if you have someone next to you. If you're by yourself, it, I feel like it takes a lot more willpower to actually, you know, continue on when you run into something that's difficult. But if you have someone over there that's like watching you, that's like, and then you're not doing your part, it feels a lot worse. So it's like motivation <laughs> to actually like continue on with the project. You should work with Andy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, I think doing it so solo, if you have like the willpower to like commit to something, and assuming this is like a project that you want to commit to like long term, I think like doing it solo, it's it might be too difficult for a lot of people. Um, I think there are like very there's a very strong benefit to doing it with someone else. I, I could definitely see a case because like a lot of these point of views like come from tech people who do have the power to to build these stuff and from scratch kind of thing. But then there's a lot of people, very driven people out there who didn't have a background or doesn't know how to code at the end. And I've actually known a lot of cases where these people are reaching out to you know as we were saying like other engineers who people are capable of doing it. And I've seen good partnerships come out of it. So I think like. Assessing what you know to begin with is absolutely one way of answering this question. Like, am I able to do this task? Then if yes, then yeah, doing it solo is not that bad of an idea. But if you're looking at yourself, if you're like, no, I got no idea how to do any of this, then mm -hmm. that's where you could incline yourself to be like, oh yeah, maybe I could bring somebody else on and like, we could just see if they're as interested. And then both of your expectation is like reasonable in terms of like, oh yeah, we're okay if it doesn't work out. We're okay if we're just going there for pure interest and there's like, no money expectation to it, then yeah, I could definitely see a good, you know, pro of doing it with somebody else. So I guess that's basically me answering the question is, when I start a project, do I want to do it solo with somebody else? I'll just ask about that. Like, I'm obviously full of flaws and I don't know like how to do 90% of stuff, but in terms of like building websites or building like a playing with like TensorFlow package, like mm -hmm. those kind of stuff, I could do it on my own and it could be really fun. And you know, if it jackpot on it, then great. We all talk about that all the time. <laughs> but um, another point I wanted to bring up with should you do it solo or with somebody else that there's, you got, you got to take into consideration how many people you know to begin with. Like if you don't know anybody, that is really hard to do it somebody else because you have nobody how to do it. Which is why, like as we were saying, like these years of experience of working in different industry and like working in different tech roles that you get to know people and that's where you kind of have this connection with other people that, you know, if you know them, it's easier to ask them to, to start stuff to begin with. So. I guess. The person also matters a lot. Like you don't just want to <laughs> pair up with any scrub off the street. <laughs> like you want someone that's like dependable, someone that like can pull their own weight, that's like good at the parts that, and maybe they like their skills complement your own. Um, do you do not like the wild card factor? <laughs> <laughs> nah, this ain't this ain't sunny. <laughs> wild card bitches. <laughs> yeah. Somebody goes absolutely rogue and then like yeah. comes back like literally. Five weeks later and yeah like, that's yeah. the ha going to the hackathon without a without a partner idea you know you just find a random person and that's a wild card right there <laughs> no, man. i personally haven't done enough wild card but i'm slowly inclining to do a little bit more now like that risk is really really uh, energizing <laughs> um but yeah i think we're still talking about like even it's, it's really interesting how we've got so much content of just like not even starting a project, not even working on a project yet. This is all just starting. Something mm -hmm. that was brought up like quite a few times already is like, how do you choose a stack in terms of what's the technology behind it? Um, is it supposed to cover front end and back end? Is it like, what kind of stuff? So I guess like, I could just go over my process of like what, what I choose to build something with to begin with. So um, if we take a quick comparison of when I did my first side project, it was genuinely pure out of curiosity of using a technology that I've never used before. 
So even back then, like JavaScript wasn't part of my arsenal. I've never touched it before. So I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And then this framework branded itself as like really easy to work with, Meteor.js, which Stan absolutely despised at the end of the day. <laughs> um, so that was kind of like the stack back then. How I chose it was pure out of curiosity. And it was kind of this coincidence that this, whether it be marketing, whether it be somebody else that told me about it, like kind of came in my path. So I chose with that. So that was kind of the vision back then. But nowadays, when I choose um, a stack to work with, it depends how serious you are to the project. If you believe that the project is really going to work out, I would choose a stack that I'm comfortable with, which nowadays is a lot of Node.js, a lot of the you know uh, simple frameworks that exist, but also keep it as like you know raw as possible. But then there's nothing stopping you to do another side project for out of pure curiosity. If you want to use TensorFlow with Python, that which I'm not super expert at, that would be a good contender of a side project, just because it's out of out of interest and out of you know. I can do it if I spend a little time doing that, which is the whole point of side project. So I guess that's how I would break down in terms of what should I use to build this next billion dollar idea? <laughs> I guess you have something similar, Andy, or is it a completely different process of choosing what you want to use? I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely something similar. Like I usually just choose like whatever is fun and interesting, but mainstream at the same time, because like my business ambitions for my side projects pretty low. So <laughs> I want the side project to at least help me out on like my main job. Mm -hmm. It's like the, the, you know, React, right? It, it wasn't even a contender back then in terms of like, should people use React? Because first of all, it never existed. And now nowadays, like, dude, it, take, it took everything by storm and people would kind of be like, why are you not using it as opposed to why are you using it? Which is why the kind of shift kind of bugs me a bit just because I feel like there's something else that's going to come in and like, you're the new kid on the block and everybody is going to be on it. And that's how they choose a stack. They don't really choose a stack. They're just given to them and then people are just falling into it. But I know that's, what you were seeing with your stacks or how you choose your stacks nowadays then? Um, I think it kind of varies. Again, if it's like a short-term project, I'm probably more in Andy's camp where I just pick a technology that I want to learn, something like that I don't use every day. Things, things like uh, I set up projects with like Scala, Kotlin, like Go, Rust, just to learn the languages, like become more familiar with them. But if it's something that I want to invest time in, I actually, I've been trying to have less of like a kind of an engineer mentality where like technologies are cool and more of like, how do I iterate faster? And in that case, I kind of picked, you know, languages like Node, stuff like where I have a lot of code samples uh, out on GitHub where I can like solve problems really, really quickly and easily. Um, without like the language barriers of like working with a language that I'm not intimately familiar with. Yeah, I like that just because you kind of have the shift of like a little bit less technical but more operational. Mm -hmm. Like everything just yeah. makes it more seamless for you to do at the end, which is, I guess, which is kind of good because um, a lot of tools nowadays, if you look at packages on GitHub or whatever, I personally take the, the stars as a good indicator. I don't know if it's a fair thing to do, but if you have a package that's been con like updated quite consistently, like where the last commit is not two years ago or something and has like quite a lot of stars to it. I use that as a good indicator to you can rely on that technology to be part of your stack. Yeah, like like one of the main reasons why people like, you know, JavaScript and Python is because of their large package ecosystems. You know, there are so many solutions out there for you to like build on top of. The abstractions already exist. You just have to use them. Um, aren't, aren't they also a lot of them considered just side projects as well? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, I I don't 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if there's some yeah, of them are side projects, you know, like those libraries that are like is equals or like is even and is odd. And then somehow people import those into their libraries and then breaks the entire NPM ecosystem when like there's actually a bug inside one line of code and the entire package is one line of code. <laughs> and then they have to update it like every two weeks or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's another conversation, like how toxic the NPM becomes. Oh, is. Not today, like, not today. It's no, so we're, fragile. We're not going to get to that, though. Um, another point before you even start a project is designs, ideas, creations, like the creative bit of, you know, we're, we've been very technical nowadays. Like, my, my thought of, on this, that, like, do you have to have designs before starting a project? What do you think? I mean, I really like front end work, so like, so like, I like my MVP to look super pretty, <laughs> and like, I usually get um, designs from just copying it somewhere. I mean, like, some other company has a team of what, like, 50, 50 designers work on that stuff, so like, it must be good. I can <laughs> yeah. probably use it too. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I, I 100% like kind of agree with that, just because. 100% agree, not 100% kind of agree. <laughs> um, just because a lot of stuff that um, has, if you ask that question. Somebody else has probably asked that question as well, and they probably invested like a team or something on it. So you could take their answer as like sort of reliable on it. The latest one I've done recently is that like I was debating if we should put one or two buttons on our web page, and uh, I was just literally browsing other popular websites to see if they've done it with one or two buttons, and like that kind of gives you an answer to what's going on. So that's a good way of getting inspiration for your designs. What about you? I think a lot of the side projects I work on, like you know, like the encrypted DB stuff don't really have like <laughs> UI stuff. Yeah. I think I'm more inclined to work on like more backend focused projects. But when I do work on front end stuff, I I never really roll my own framework. Like I just use stuff like Bootstrap and more recently like Ant D looks pretty good. Yeah. Uh, that one has like so many components. Um, yeah. I. So I don't spend too much time thinking about like how it's supposed to look. Oftentimes, if I do think about like interfaces, they're they're more back end interfaces, not really front end interfaces slash, you know. Design. Yeah, that, that's a very good point because uh, when when asked that question, designs, I obviously specifically mean like the visual designs of it. Mm -hmm. But then there's also like the other bit of like the stack or like the architecture design. But I don't want to get into that because it's not as interesting as talking about designs. And yeah. <laughs> I just want to give a, good, a big call out that one design that I've never fully figured out, and this is me trying to get inspiration, is sometimes on Apple's products page, when you scroll and like the, the, the images like kind of meshes into like oh, the text, I think we come about, that. Yeah. I've spent time looking at the console and trying to figure out like how do they manage to have that incorporated or like every time I you scroll. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. It's so pretty, dude. Go, go on Apple's website right now, man. Yeah. It's so nice. It's, it's just so confusing because the thing is like, I. I just want to know the, the concept, right? I don't want to redo it. I just want to know the concept. And like these designs, like I'm more than happy to spend some time researching it. And if you're able to create something that, you know, that kind of tracks as you go and does it, I think it's a great side project. So that's definitely on my list to do. But that was one of the examples when you're talking about inspirations of getting something else from some, <laughs> some popular other projects. But um, there, was, there was also a point I want to get into is that like when, when you do a project, there's always the monetary value is that how much, I guess, money you want to spend on a side project? Because the thing is, we're talking this whole time about like, there's never a guarantee that you're going to have a return on any money doing side project kind of thing. So I guess what would be your, your I guess, your risk or like how much you're willing to invest in a, in a side project that you're going to start for the hell of it? Um, in terms of time, again, it varies. Like, again, for a hackathon, I'm probably only going to invest 24 hours. For something a little more long term, it's tough to say, I think, 
the time is more limited based on like my willpower to commit to it. Uh, in terms of money, I'm so cheap. <laughs> I'm like the cheapest guy. Like I'll I'll use like the free credits. I'll create like a new you know GCP account just just for the free credits to host something. Like uh, if I want to train like an ML model, like I've definitely emailed like Colab, like Google Colab, uh, to ask for more credits. Uh, with my Berkeley email, and I tell them I'm a student, <laughs> yeah. so get, and they're like, "Oh, you're a student? Okay, yeah. Here's all these free credits to like train whatever you want." But I think that's so. That's like, I'll hustle. I'll hustle to get that those free those, those free credits. You know, I mean, that's a positive because like all these big companies have like programs dedicated to these kind of situations. Like, yeah. you're doing it because they see the need for it. So I don't I don't see any like harm in any of that stuff. Yeah, because... I'm pretty cheap. <laughs> There's a range of cheap. There's there's free, and then there's a big range of cheap, and then like, there's people who are actually like investing on that. But I guess yeah, Andy, what was your approach in the past couple of like projects you've done? I mean, like time for me, like the the hard limit is just how much free time I have. I mean, I, I would never cut into like I don't know work or like yeah, I wouldn't like skip out on hanging out with my friends or something like that. <laughs> Not today. Yeah. <laughs> it's like sorry guys, I gotta work on this. Yeah. It's the next Facebook, though. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Grind it up for a little bit. Yeah. Don't forget to use your uh, your education email to get all those. Free yeah, dude. Then. If you still got your edu email, you can get a lot of free stuff just yeah. by emailing. Dude, I don't, man. UCSB takes it away. I have a at UCSBAlumni.com email. Oh, really? Yeah. You I'm pretty see. sure you can still manage to do <laughs> some magic could. behind that. Yeah. I I, I kind of agree with the bit where it's like all these free credits from like university kind of stuff. Um, they're, they were so useful because I didn't even think it'd be beneficial today. But just the fact that you've done it back then, like it's just a long lasting effect that you could reuse some of them today. And something that I've seen a lot in like um, more the professional side of like startups or whatever is that these companies are more than happy to give you like more free credit than they advertise. So they'll advertise be like, oh, you have like this threshold of free freemium, right? Mm -hmm. But then like if you reach out to them and you tell them, oh, this is just a personal side project or whatever, but I really like your technology kind of thing. They're more than happy to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll extend it. Yeah, we'll maybe you should just say it's for COVID right now. They're throwing out a lot of credits for COVID-related <laughs> oh, apps. You know, you know all the ins and outs, man. Yeah, just throw in like a view that says these are the COVID numbers and you just pull it from some other COVID API. No, dude, the, uh, <laughs> the uh, site I showed you, uh, my uh, friend's side project, like yeah. the infection map, He's he he gets like free stuff from like from Netlify I think and then like from Mapbox as well. He like reached out to all of them. Yeah, they're paying for everything. Yeah, dude. See, see, yeah. COVID's the hot kid. <laughs> no, that's not the message. That's not the message, man. The message yeah, is that's how you get free credit. COVID, COVID branding. Yeah. <laughs> no, the message is there's a lot of resource out there and you can use it for 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 the better. But um, I think for me, monetary wise, is that um, I think some things that I always uh, am willing to pay for at the moment. I pay for my uh, DigitalOcean host and my domains. I think those are the ones that I'm like, I'm fairly cheap. I'm not going to invest like a thousand dollar on a side project just because like there's a chance it could, you know, work out really well. So, um, I just I look at the basics of what I need. So if I need like a couple of domains, then yeah, I'm more than happy to you know shed a couple of dollars to get a domain going. I'm not going to pay like seven thousand dollars for like Microsoft.com just because. <laughs> It's probably worth like so much more than <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, it's but... worth more than that. Yeah. <laughs> if I can get it for seven grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I think basic wise, that like I think I always need like a host somewhere and then domain. That's basically the investment money that I'll put on side projects. But in terms of like shelling out, oh, let's try this ad campaign for another hundred bucks. Like I don't think that's part of mm -hmm. my intent at the moment for working on side projects at the moment. So, um, but also like when you, when you're doing this like you know specking phase of your project, is that like 
you kind of define the parameters of at what point you want to show it to people. Because you could look at it yourself for the for the past two, three weeks and it's like, you get tired of it. But there's a point where you want to show it. So what what is the criteria for you to be happy to, to show this to somebody else? Like, what would you consider your project as ready MVP to, to be exposed? Hmm. What is that for use or just to show to other people? Just, uh, just show to <laughs> other people. I think it's really the point where you're ready to show it to, to anybody. I mean, I'm probably willing to show someone like a shitty unstyled website. <laughs> <laughs> so for you, it's like, 30 minutes after you started it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I want people to see it, man. I spent a whole 30 minutes on it. Yeah. <laughs> that, it's, it's good that like there's not a fixed parameter to this. It's good that like, you just do whatever you want to define your MVP at the end. So that's one way to look at it. What about you, Stan? I don't know. That's kind of a tough question. Like Again, I used to have more of like an engineering mindset where I just like kind of build something. And I continually want to add features. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't want to show anyone till it's like feature complete, so it was like never really MVP. But I try to take like more of like a product mindset these days of like actually defining an MVP. Uh, it's tough to say. I I would like to say that that I was like Andy and I would show people like 30 minutes after I started, like <laughs> once that? I have any kind of functionality. But oftentimes I'm just like way too self conscious about it. <laughs> so you know, props to Andy for having that. You know. Competence. <laughs> hey, but the good part is that, like, if you show it early, you get more feedback early. I know, yeah. It's, I think it's the right thing to do. It's just like, I just feel so bad when it looks <laughs> terrible. It's like, and, you know, the, eventually there will be this feature, and I'm just trying to, like, justify my code. Yeah. It feels bad. Dude, don't worry, man. We'll, we'll show on your code no matter what. <laughs> we'll show on your feature or your project no matter what. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think my minimum criteria for an MVP is that. Most of the time when you work on a side project, I just try to focus on one feature that you could do really well, or like the whole main objective of that project. And then if you achieve that one feature, I think it's great to be starting to show to people, no matter how easy or how complex that one goal of your side project is. Complete that one, I think that's the MVP. And then you get your feedbacks of more, oh, if this feature works well with another feature I could do, then that's where the feedbacks come in. But I think for me, whenever you set, you're defining your, your goals for that, I think it's just, figure out what's that one thing you wanted to do really well. And then if you coded that out and it works most of the time and you cover all the cases, then yeah, show it to people. And then that's kind of like where you start rolling on the ball. So I guess that's, it's interesting. We've got so many different approaches to it in terms of like how we're the deciding when, when, when it's ready. But I guess when, when you have all this done and all this prep done, all this like, oh, I got this idea of what I want to build and what to build it with and, you know, who I want to build it with. And, uh, and you set yourself a goal, basically. How do you know after, after building it that you've, I guess, achieved that goal? So you're coding something, right? How do you know that, basically, how you validify what you built is ready to be shown to people? I think it's more difficult to define that goal. <laughs> I don't know. Like, if you, if you have a clear definition of MVP, then, like, once you've reached that definition, then, then you know you're at that point but yeah. again like the most difficult part is like defining what is MVP and that's again more of a product question yeah but you're also responsible for the product role when you're working on a design project alone like you're once you find that business person you know yeah. <laughs> the 90-10 split yeah. just delegate to, to, to I think I think like in a technical point of view is that like 
if you're able to confirm that your code works. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty low bar, dude. <laughs> I'd put the bar a little higher. <laughs> if you confirm that your calculation is not out random, random number. Yeah, and if it compiles. Yeah. <laughs> like... Well, you'd be surprised. That's a big goal for a lot of people, man. That's... No, maybe if with Rust. Rust has a lot of you know compilation guarantees. <laughs> oh, man. But I guess, yeah, I think it's a, yeah, obviously it's a really hard answer to, to give to that question at the end to be like, how do you know you reach your MVP? Well, I guess like depending on your goal for me when I was saying like, if I have that one feature and that one feature works, that's my goal. I guess that's technically me done working on it. And I can start showing that at the end. But um, I guess another thing that when you're working on a project, like currently like, you know, heads deep and like thinking about stuff, when do you allocate time to do it? Do you do it before work, after work, during work? <laughs> what, Don't what implicate yourself. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say about that idea? Definitely not during work. <laughs> no, I usually do it on the weekends. I like I like having like a good block of time where I get to focus on it. And I feel like before work and after work, it's too, it's like not enough time. Yeah. I definitely don't do it before work because I'm like, awake and then like 10 minutes later I'm at work. <laughs> so there's no time before work. But after work sometimes I'll do it but again it's kind of difficult when like you get back home and it's like 10 p.m. and maybe you want to go to the gym and then you're like oh but I should also work on this. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, like it's so relatable. <laughs> A lot of people like come back after work you don't want to do more work. Like Yeah. Um, Which is kind of like it bounces the point where Andy was saying like on oh, the weekend is great because like weekends know, weekend, are good. You got loads yeah. of time doing it. I actually have this crazy routine. Like one of the biggest project I've worked on as a side project, I've had this routine where I wake up at six and then I would start work around like nine o'clock, whatever. So between six and nine, that was like my go-to time to work on a side project because it's the exact opposite mentality. At the end of the day, you don't want to do stuff, but then if you consider work as second priority in, the, in like your day schedule, you get so much done at six o'clock. So yeah, I've tried that for, for a bit. The project is still like kind of lingering around, like it didn't explode or whatever, it's still there. But the thing is like, I I feel like when I've tried it and I would 100% do it again, if I, if I either find the more motivation or like another interesting idea, I would definitely try that schedule of like six o'clock to whatever, nine o'clock or eight o'clock or 10 o'clock depending on wherever you, you're starting so what if you got super into it would you just call in sick or <laughs> just, <laughs> i haven't done this for this job but before when, <laughs> i would do hackathons and then i'd be super tired and then on monday and then i wouldn't <laughs> i'd say i'm working from home <laughs> yeah, yeah. i mean like it's flexible man if you can afford to do it then you do it but yeah I do think that people who are quite maniac and like quite really interested in a project, if they pull it off, I wouldn't be like surprised they do it. I feel like it's a justified point. But then again, policies and all that kind of stuff, you got to figure out. <laughs> you don't want to get into hot waters. Um, I just want to point out that some companies do allow you work on your own project uh, during work time. I don't know if you guys heard about this thing called the 20% project. It's yeah, Google. That, yeah, I, I, I think Google does it. I don't know if any other companies do it, but I heard it from Google that they do this 20% project where if you perform well, um, you could be part of this project where 20% of your work time could be spent on whatever you want. So I heard about this when I went to a talk in, I think this was in London, where we had uh, Eric Schmidt, who used to be the CEO of Google, and he was with a couple of panelists as well, Alan Eagle, I think, very, very prominent in that field. And they were talking about this 20% project, and what they used that was to write a book between them. So they took this you know, free time to write a book and the company was fully supported. They spent 20% of the time doing that. So I guess that is an idea that 
I'm just mentioning it because I want to spread it. <laughs> mentioning it, like we should we should put it out there that the people, I guess, the criteria of performing well is obviously subjective to what you're doing. But it wouldn't be crazy to think that people are working on their own projects when they're getting fully paid by a company. I think it's so sick. Um, I haven't experienced it, but the day the day it does happen. <laughs> does Google own those ideas? Oh, yeah. Probably. That's how smart. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't question it too much, but that's actually a good point. But also, like, uh, we were talking about a lot of this stuff where it's like, how do you stay motivated? Like, you know, when we're saying, like, oh, I wake up in the morning, so that's where I can find a little bit of motivation. That's a, like my interest comes first in the morning, which is how I stay motivated. I suppose at the end of the day, when you come back, it's like, oh, I don't want to do any of this stuff. So, like, do you have any like small pointers of what keeps you driven to? Whether it be driven for a day, a day more on that project, what would you do to keep yourself hyped up? I think this is where having like like someone that you're working with, that's probably my main motivator. Uh, I find, again, I fall off the wagon pretty easily when I'm working by myself. It's really easy to just like jump on Netflix and watch some TV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but oftentimes, in those bursts of my own motivation, oftentimes they're actually very technology related. Like, oh man, I really just want to learn more about Rust or something. And then I'll spend like, you know, all weekend just like playing around with it. Yeah. That's cool. Cause like when you're saying all weekend, that's more than like the person that starts with an hour and gets demotivated after that. So, well, again, I think the person that spends an hour a week is actually better mentally than I, <laughs> oh, no, I mean, like, like a person <laughs> who can actually commit to something. Like, I'll commit a weekend, but. No, I it's meant like so a much week. harder. I, I meant like an hour forever. Like you oh. just do one hour and that's it. Like one blitz of one hour. I don't know how far you'll get with rest in an hour, but <laughs> maybe something. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Andy, how do you tackle this like driven motive, uh, like motivation, like problem? Or maybe not even a problem, but like this stuff that happens when you work on side projects. Yeah, it's definitely a problem I haven't solved. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right out of the I gate. Got you, I guess. No. I definitely have the same problems as Dan. Like it's so easy just to. I don't know, just to either like forget about it or get distracted by something else. I don't. Th I think there are very few side projects I've like actually completed. Yeah, like another thing that I underestimate is like sometimes I'll be really into an idea, and the more I think about it, I'm just like, no, nah, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll, like I'll talk myself out of it. I don't know if it's like that bad of an idea, or if I'm just like lazy and like talking myself out of doing any of the work. <laughs> it's tough to say. Dude, man, you need Andy in this one. He'll, 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 he'll train you up, man. You'll be good to go. Like, yeah. no, I'm kidding, though. But yeah, I think motivation is always a you know fun thing to talk about. I think it's just for me to have it on the peripherals, like just knowing that it exists, even though you like stopped working on it for a bit, but know that it exists and like if it kind of haunts you a little bit and like you're still you still have that little bit of interest to it. That's one way I find to keep myself motivated. Is I like I haven't thought about this in a long time, and then like I got more knowledge since I touched it last time just because I know it exists makes me want to go back to it. So that's usually how I keep myself motivated. But then like, it's really crushing when you don't have like results, right? When there's no immediate like, oh, satisfaction of putting this out there. A lot of people are on it. So that's like the opposite end, but I guess you have to balance that. But there's so much resource out there. I'll probably try to, I guess, if I feel really down about a project, I'll probably just find other inspiration or articles out there that says like, uh, you know, simple, simple tricks to do it. Most of the time it's BS. Like most of the time it's like, oh, just, reshift your your to-do list like <laughs> it might work might not work actually that was quite motivated i used the trello board for one of my own like side project it actually worked like quite quite wonderful because the, the act of like dragging your ticket of like your swim lanes of going one to the other it's minimal but i think that was a good burst i don't know if you guys have ever done anything similar but 
Did you assign your own points? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, because the thing is, like, I put in everything in 999, and like, it didn't really make sense at the end of the day. I'm doing all that. Wait, this was a side project that you worked on for work? No, no, this was just my own my my own side project, and like I wanted to keep track of like I guess the features or like the current progress of what's happening with that uh, side oh, project. So you're building a project to keep track of your project. Yeah, like I was using a Trello board. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, like, you feel motivated. Have you actually been productive? Is the other question, and I don't know if it helped, but yeah, I, it was definitely a psychological thing where like you're staring at a board with like stuff moving around, and like I mean that was definitely <laughs> encouraging at times. But the thing is, like, when it sits there and you have like a whole backlogs of stuff and doesn't move, that's kind of depressing. But hey, you win some, you lose some. Um, one of one of the things that uh, a lot of people want to have at the end of the day, confirmation, is really just we've gone through the whole process. We've spent time looking at the idea, we spent time thinking about it, and then we spent time building it, and we spent time completing our main objective of that MVP. You've got a prototype. Now what? What do you want to do? Do you talk to your closest friends first? Do you talk about some random strangers? Like, do you have like? An approach that you've either tested or you want to test in the future. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I usually just show it to my friends, and that's about it. I've got fairly low ambitions for my project. <laughs> I mean, that's a very valid point, though. Yeah. Like, they, they're the kind of people that would like give you crap or give you like yeah. praise, like honestly, as opposed to like somebody who doesn't want to hurt your feelings and be like, "Yeah, it's nice," but, <laughs> like, but yeah, showing to your friends is a good point. Hmm. It's tough to say. Again, I, I probably haven't gotten very far. Like I've built a bunch of these things, but oftentimes they're just like private repos, like yeah. <laughs> on my GitHub account. I don't, I don't know. Like usually, the furthest I'll get is you know actually hosting it somewhere. But even then, it doesn't gain too much traction. Like one of the products that I actually built was like um, it's called like Derm, Derm AI or something. And it's like a Facebook chat bot, and like. I get some oh, people messaging me some weird photos <laughs> <laughs> on that. I guess that one's successful. Like I get like twenty views. Like at, Dude, I get twenty people man. talking to it like <laughs> every month, and I see it. It's it's pretty it's pretty interesting. That's Dude. probably as successful as it's gotten. And that was actually the output of like a hackathon project. Uh, a lot of my my stuff like it's like I have like a fleshed out idea and I start building it, but then becomes so difficult to build it by myself yeah, yeah. and then I'll drop out. But as you were seeing, a lot of people would say like, oh, the first 10 users were the hardest, or like the first five users the hardest. But then like when they get to a thousand users, like the, the zero to 10 is much harder than like the 10 to a thousand. And then like the, the thousand to 10,000 is much harder than 10,000 to a million. You know what I mean? Like this kind of scale. So even you just getting like this random, random in quotation marks, uh, interaction with users. I think that's already quite a successful thing that people are willing to... <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I don't know if I want to see ten thousands of those images. <laughs> Some of them are pretty gnarly. I've I've stopped looking at the messages. <laughs> but that is one way to to confirm that you know, looking back, uh, you built something. Hey, it's doing something. It's like you know, whether confirmation yeah. good or bad doesn't matter. It's that there is a confirmation. Um, I think for the prototypes that I've built actually was that um, the I built this thing where it was basically a aggregated pool of like betting on sports matches which is instead of taking your one opinion in terms of who's winning you kind of get like the opinion of like a crowd of people and it's like kind of like a specified crowd of people that you end up deciding and i managed to get a couple of people to do it like just a group of friends like i showed it to a group of friends or whatever i mean we want a little bit of money so 
that was like a very simple confirmation case. And that was kind of the point where you get a lot of feedback, be like, oh, why are you only allowed to do this? Why are you only allowed to do that? So I, from my experience, it was definitely the same as Andy, as you were saying, like showing it to people that you're more than happy to, to get crushed by, basically. They're more than happy to get like, giving you hard, hard feedback. But then when it does work, you're like, oh damn, it actually like could benefit people. So I'm definitely the approach of friends. But then the next phase after that would simply be like, okay, fine, if your friends kind of like it, then I guess, more than that than friends friends of friends or just put it online hacker news is a good place to put it mm -hmm. i think it's a good way to you know play around with the prototype that you build that's not stopping you on the side to keep on working on it if you want yeah but it's just that like if you want some confirmation i guess that's one way of doing it but also like showing it to yourself confirming it to it if you look back a year later as we're saying a project that you've built that's one way of like showing some confirmation to be like do you still approve of that idea or do you not approve of it anymore you know yeah, I think like actually having users like use it is like pretty good gauge for how successful uh, that project was. Yeah, because I think like at the end of the day, I'd be happier if it was making money. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I guess some people are getting some of their skin diseases diagnosed. But I will have to say <laughs> the training set definitely skewed towards cancer. Because there weren't too many, we didn't have a lot of images in terms of, oh, this is like a benign mole. <laughs> a lot of them were like, this is a cancerous mole. <laughs> so, if you, so if you're using that service, probably don't trust it too much. Go to an actual dermatologist. <laughs> this is the, like, the most sound advice you could get from this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Go to an actual dermatologist. <laughs> I guess like, yeah, just finally to wrap up, this is just like the speculative bit where it's like, from, from your point of view, like, if it does go successful, what would you, I guess, what would you do? If you ever work on a side project that ends up being, like, you know, a big hit, what does what, what your tomorrow look like? I mean, what do you mean by hit? Like, in, as in it makes a bunch of money or it works well? It, it could be your definition of a hit. It could, be, it could be financially independent or it could be something that gives you no money, but it affects, like, a trillion people if you want. Well, you could probably monetize. <laughs> You'll find a way. I'm sure or investors get, will find a way. Exactly. Like, or you get your family's approval. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's a big one right there. Yeah. I guess it's basically just this is just a section of like what ifs kind of thing. Like for me, if if tomorrow I work on a side project and like it ends up completely like being successful or whatever, I still think I'm I don't want this drastic change of life. I don't I'm not the kind of person that will be like I'll drop everything tomorrow and like go go do that kind of stuff just because like as we were saying, like calculated, but also like, it, you don't you don't want this shock, if you know what I mean? I mean, the shock will happen. It's just like depending how you manage it, right? So if something blows up and like your side project becomes super successful tomorrow, I'll, I'll be like, the, my routine's gonna be the same. I'll just assess it. And it'll probably take at least like a month before the next big action comes from. So I guess that's kind of my approach of what ifs in terms of being something successful. And my what if of if something doesn't, but like become successful is more like, yeah, we'll just keep on working on it or like we'll just scrap it at that point so do you think, do you think the same stand about like if something becomes successful because i guess that's kind of one of our objectives of side projects is we want to get this uh, blown up a bit yeah i think my definition of successful these days would probably be i want to build something that actually gives me some form of income <laughs> that <laughs> I mean, yeah, would be successful scary. and the the degree of success and that <laughs> probably uh, affects how I would decide what I would do if I was, you know, quote unquote successful. You know, if I made a lot of money from it, 
maybe I'd actually try to buy a house in the Bay Area, yeah. <laughs> you know? That won't be a pipe dream anymore. Dude, yeah, all, all the agents will have their phone ringing the, the next yeah. days. You'll be successful literally the next yeah. day. All the agents will get But if that. it's just like Derm, Derm AI, you know, and I just get, you know, a bunch of photos of moles and other, you know, skin diseases, like herpes and stuff. <laughs> You know, I guess that's successful, but I don't know what I'd do with that. I probably can't change anything about my life. I might need therapy, if anything. My, my, my life might go downhill. Well, well, that's one way to look at it. Yeah, that's pretty sick then. Yeah, finally, last, last words. We're just going to go with, um, for, for the people about to start a project, about to start a side project, considering that we've done a couple ourselves and like we've seen different cases, do you want to give like a bit of advice or like just a simple thing to, for them to keep in check before uh, you know they get into that journey? Yeah, I mean, have fun, and um, it is what it is. If it works well, it works well. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And you, Stan? I think if you're gonna work on a side project, diligence—that's like the key. <laughs> That's the key to a successful side project. Um, yeah. Well, I definitely can't debate about that. <laughs> My advice is as good as any of yours. So. Then again, that's the end of the episode. Thank you guys uh, for participating. Thanks, Stan. Thanks, Andy. And uh, I'll catch you all on the next episode of A Podcast Room by a Software Engineer.